0: Half of Kansas have pre-existing conditions. Kevin Yoder's vote to remove their protections means that insurers can charge them higher rates or deny them coverage. Why did Yoder vote this way? Was it the $348,000 the insurance industry gave his campaign? Kevin Yoder, wrong for Kansas.
1: Paid for by DCCC. .dccc www.dccc.org. Not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. Blog Talk Radio.
2: Ladies and gentlemen,
1: we are live! Lyrically, I'm I'm untouchable, uncrushable, running in a 600, running in a 600. Untouchable, uncrushable, running in a
0: 600, running in a 600. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Punch to the Face Radio. I'm your host, Brandon. Appreciate you joining me here this evening, Uh, and we are welcoming back our star guest host, the one and only, the incomparable Adam Abramowitz of SaturdayNightBoxing.com. Adam, welcome back to the show, my man.
2: Thanks for having me. A lot of good stuff going on. Uh, Let's get to it.
0: Absolutely. Well, we're going to kick it off here tonight talking about the, uh, the big fight of the weekend, which Honestly, it doesn't have a ton of um, buzz or push behind it, but I will say this, ESPN has done a good job promoting it here this week, and that's Terrence Crawford making the first defense of his WBA welterweight title against Joseph Benavidez Jr. Uh, that is going to air on ESPN uh, here on Saturday night. Um, we weren't surprised when this matchup was made because top ranks to keep the money in-house as long as they can. Um, so let's maybe go here with this. Um, how much of a chance do you give Joseph Benavidez here on Saturday night? Uh,
2: I don't think Jose Benavides has uh, a, lo- a big chance. I will say this. Um, you know, very talented amateur, uh, had great skills. You know, if you were to compare uh, Jose Benavidez as an 18-year-old versus Terrence Crawford as an 18-year-old, most likely Jose Benavides, you know, would be winning. He was one of the best amateurs of anywhere at that point in time. However, his career hasn't turned out that way. Um, lots of reports of, you know, uh, fast, like living in a fast life outside of the ring, uh, not taking care of himself that well, uh, all sorts of, uh, drama with the family. Uh, so he, uh, his career has stalled and a lot of people have referred to this as top rank kind of cashing him out. And frankly, um, I have to agree with that. Uh, Benavides, uh, there's nothing on his resume that suggests he should be able to beat Crawford. I don't want to count him out 100% because he has pride and he has skills. But at a certain point, uh, if you can't put it in together in the ring consistently, if you're not the, the professional that you should be out of the ring, it's very tough that he's going to have his, it's very unlikely that he's going to have his one moment of glory. Against one of the best fighters in the world. So I think he has a a big mountain to climb on Saturday. Uh, I think he will give it a go. I think he has pride. uh, But I just see Terrence Crawford being too
0: versatile, too ruthless, too sadistic uh, to let this one slip up. Yeah, I, and I have to agree with you. I mean, you look at Benavidez Jr.'s um, resume, and it doesn't really scream out that he's going to have any sort of idea of what to deal with Terence Crawford's going to bring to him on Saturday night. Now, we've seen in Terence Crawford fights that sometimes he can be a bit of a slow starter. Um, that sure. wasn't the case here, you know, and you know, more recent bouts. But sometimes he can be a bit of a slow starter. I don't see that actually happening here on Saturday. I see him wanting to get the business done and kind of prove a point early on and get kind of a quick stoppage. Now, a lot of times when you fight, though, with that kind of emotion and anger, that can't backfire on you. But I think Crawford is too skilled of a guy to have anything like that backfire. Um, I don't see him making slipping up and making mistakes or leaving any sort of openings out there for Benavidez to jump on. Um, so I, I do like him. My question is more of how many rounds will Benavidez go. Um, I said, and I tweeted out earlier, I'd be shocked if he makes it six rounds. Um, he's a prideful guy. I know he knows this may be his only opportunity for anything of this magnitude, of this level of a fight. So I think he's going to give it his all, like you said, and he's going to fight hard. But I don't see him making it probably past six rounds. I do look for it to be some sort of TKO stoppage uh, by Crawford because I think Crawford just wants to prove a point uh, to Benavidez, who's been running his mouth a little bit. Now I know they kind of had a dust-up even today. I uh, have regards to the media workout. Yeah. Um, I, th- I give Crawford, let's say eight rounds. I
2: think it's going to be one of these fights as you talked about, like Hank Lundy or Delorme, where I think he might actually take a few rounds. Uh, Benavides is, is fairly tall, has good size, throws a, a good jab. Uh, so I think Crawford's going to study those dimensions and eventually work his way into the fight. Um, the good thing for us as boxing fans and the good thing for fans of Terrence Crawford is I think Benavides has made this fight um, personal for Crawford. And I think that's bad news for Benavides, but good news for, for boxing fans and fans of Crawford, because you know, so often you see these slip ups, kind of these in between fights, fighters kind of look past opponents, fighters aren't taking these bouts seriously not saying that Crawford is going to lose but I think he's going to be on point on Saturday I expect him to make a statement I think Benavides has brought it to a very personal level I think Crawford will look forward to um, being ruthless in the ring and causing a lot of pain and hurt so I think <laughs> we're going to get a very good performance from Crawford on Saturday I'm really looking forward to that um, let me ask you this question 2018 for Terrence Crawford, we'll see him fight Jeff Horn to get a title, and Jose Benavides. Um, is this is this a, a, a how would you characterize those opponents in this year overall for Crawford?
0: I mean, maybe the best way of describing this year for him is a transition year because he's trans you know transitioning from 140 to 147. Um, you know, and it's not like he didn't want the fight earlier uh, with Horn. You know, Horn has some injury issues that made the fight get delayed. So I can't throw all of it on him being, you know, this only being a second fight it looks to be the only fight of um, of 2018. So I'm going to say transition year, but I'm hoping that we can look forward to him kind of being more fast track to maybe adding some bigger names uh, to that resume come. Uh, 2019, because he, he's going to need it. I mean, if he wants to take stake his claim as being the number one welterweight in the world, he's got to add some nick resume, names to that resume, because right now, if you're saying Horn and Benavidez are the two welterweights you fought, that doesn't do anything for me. Uh, that doesn't really help out his case uh, for wanting a big fight against Spence, because, well, the names aren't there, but you can also say the same thing for Spence. So uh, we've got to see some interaction between PBC and, and top Rank. Uh, to get some of these fights happening uh and i'll even throw the name of amir khan out there has to be an option for somebody here in 2019 uh, to get a fight but 2018 is going to be a transition year for crawford i'm going to give him a pass uh but i may have to revoke that if the next fight that he has in 2019 is another soft touch or a uh b-level opponent here in the welterweight division uh let me
2: sticking on that that theme for a second um who are some if he wins, and we all expect him to win? Uh, who are some potential opponents that you think we might actually see him fight in 2019? I mean, and start spot like that?
0: No, no. no I mean, Pacquiao. We can probably mark Pacquiao as being off of that list. Um, I, I don't think think that's going to happen now. So, uh, really, when you now go to welterweight division, with who is available? Who can maybe? Cross that line, if you will, to make that fight. Uh, you know, a name like Amir Khan is probably the biggest name out uh, that's not really linked to something to where he could maybe work a deal to where his fight is aired on ESPN, or maybe him even be able to pull in the money from the uh, zone to have his fight aired. Uh, you know, you know, do a big fight with uh, Spence maybe over in the, and not Spence with um, Crawford over in the UK. So from that aspect, Khan would make sense, and Khan always wants a big fight make that fight happen um besides that i mean it's really slim pickings uh if you really look at the guys who could make sense for him to fight danny garcia would make sense but again pbc uh lamont peterson we don't know what's up with him but i think that would be a decent test for him at 147 but again he's across the street uh adrian granados another guy who i think is pretty much linked to pbc he would make sense um (laughs) Joe, all jokes
2: Slim aside, picking. you know Jesse Jesse Vargas or Delorme. Slim, he's already fought Delorme, uh, yeah, and, and yeah, Vargas yeah. Is, is now with, uh, I, I guess nominally with Eddie. Hurt. I'm just saying, like uh, there, you're all right. There is going to have to be a deal. There is one other uh, 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 top rank fighter, Kavialaskis, um, uh, who's uh, was a big prospect coming up, but hasn't looked necessarily the part i'm sure he'll get an opportunity just because it's another in-house fight but, but i don't know i mean there's going to have to be some deal being made or, or i guess not i guess bob doesn't have to do anything but <laughs> for uh crawford's going to be making a lot of money in his new contract and True. you know with that money i'm sure top rank wants to see some return on that investment so they're going to have to make a big fight with somebody at some time i don't know who that's necessarily going to be But um, uh, there's going to have to be something in 2019 because the current trajectory, it's great that Crawford's recognized as one of the best in the sport and he has his local following, but to get to that next level, not even that, but just to really get to see him against the best in the world, uh, you know, unfortunately for him, uh, his promoter doesn't have many of those guys now. So, uh i'm hoping that a big fight can materialize for 2019 for him because i'd hate to see another year like 2019 like you know just 2018 for him i hope we get something you know towards the end of next year which can could lead to that that spence mega fight i'd even be happy with a with the sean poor's of the world
0: or something like that but i think i think we need to see him against one of the other belt holders Absolutely. I mean, that has to happen. And I think that has to happen with everybody in the welterweight division come next year. We need to see some unification bouts amongst these title holders, period. Whether you're uh, Crawford, you're Porter, uh, you're Pacquiao, to a lesser extent, who holds a belt, whatever, you know, whoever holds a belt, you need to be fighting another titleist at some juncture of 2019 uh, to help kind of solidify that division and kind of get things together and kind of make out this mess of who's truly number one at 147. Agreed. Agreed. You know, uh,
2: there is one, I, I don't, there's a lot of prospects on this card, uh, but not a lot of good fights. Uh, there is one of uh, the undercard fight that I do like uh, is Shakur Stevenson fighting actually a replacement opponent uh, by a guy named uh, Viral Simeone. And Simeone has only lost to um, Lee Selby and, and Scott Quigg at 126, both people who've, who've had belts before Uh, quick had a secondary belt. So he's a a Romanian fighter, I believe. And um, nothing that he does is, is that special. He's just, uh, uh, you know, rugged uh, can handle himself in the ring and uh, it's kind of a tough guy. So I think this is Shakur Stevenson's like first, you know, real test. And, And I guess Simeon is maybe like a, I don't know, C plus B minus fighter but like he's also a C plus B minus fighter in like the big bad world of boxing, not just amongst, you know, the lower level prospects and like, he's a real guy. He's a real fighter. Mm -hmm. So uh, I expect Stevenson to win. I think he'll be a little too fresh. And uh, I I mean, he's very talented, but uh, I wouldn't mind seeing uh, his whiskers checked a little bit. You know, I I wouldn't mind, not that Simeon's a huge puncher, but I, I wouldn't mind seeing him get hit a little bit to see what happens. And, and have him get some competitive rounds. So I'm hoping that fight will have a little bit of interest to the fans, and uh, you know, for for a springboard for big things happening for Stevenson in 2019. Because I think the plan may be for a title shot in late 19 or early 2020. So no time like the present to uh, to start up in your game a little bit.
0: Absolutely, and I think he's kind of, this is now the point in his career, the amount of fights he has, and he wants to be fast-tracked, but he also wants to be smart about it, to kind of build himself up and have these kind of difficult, rugged opponents in front of him, because it's not going to get any easier as time goes on, so I mean, this is a great test for him, I completely agree there, and also having the opponents switch up on him as well, it's going to be also interesting to see how he deals with that dynamic, you know, you were in training camp, thinking you're going to have one guy, and then you have... Your opponent switch up on you pretty much a week or week and a half out, so um, I'm interested to see how that works for him. But also on this card, hi Mike Alvarado, he's going to be on the ESPN Plus portion, and also shout out to Michaela Mayor, who's also uh, going to be headlining the ESPN Plus portion of the undercard. So um, Mike Alvarado looked horribly bad in his last fight. I don't expect oh, anything different yeah. here. Um, you know, he's just out there getting paycheck front him out there against somebody top rank's going to need uh, you know, a push for, and an Alvarado would be a good name on the resume, so they're just keeping him around, hoping he continues to win, and then boom, he's going to get a big fight, and he's going to get hurt, unfortunately. But it's the yeah. game. That's what happens.
2: Somebody somebody tweeted out to me, why is Mike Alvarado still fighting? And I said, well, what else is he going to do? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what, el- what else would he be doing? I mean, he doesn't... We've
0: seen the photos of him in his retirement. time. It's So uh, 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 I'll put it this way.
2: Like there are a lot of boxers or a number of boxers who could be doing other things in their life. You know, they have degrees, they have certain skills, you know, they, they have something else going on outside of their lives, you know, and they could do, I don't think Mike Alvarado is one of those people. And to be honest, him boxing, I don't want him to get hurt, but it's probably better for him being in training camp and having some type of structure in his life. Uh, he, he's been in a lot of trouble outside of the ring in his life, so I don't know what else he would do. Listen, I I saw him fight in Omaha, probably a year, a little more than a year ago, when he was on a Crawford undercard. He had nothing left, and uh, he still has he has a punch, but he has no defensive reflexes, no hand speed, no movement. I mean, he's just you know trying to land something big at this point and and hoping for the best. And you're right, you know, he will fight. One of these emerging cats at some point in time and, and get beat up badly, but for this point, you know, I don't know. He's probably making twenty, thirty thousand a fight, forty, 000, whatever he is. I mean, he probably needs the money. He, it's probably good for him to keep busy. To be honest with you, so I don't, I don't really begrudge it.
0: Nope. I mean, I watch I train wreck So hey, I'm, I'm for it, <laughs> Adam. Hey, yeah. Frank. We want to admit, we want to say this to all Billy Joel Saunders fans out. Yeah. What is up, bro? Um, Billy Joel yeah. Saunders uh, was denied his uh, his license here by the uh, Massachusetts State Athletic Commission here on Tuesday after he tested positive uh, for banned substance. Um, I know I'm going to misassociate it, on oxlorian. Um, he tested positive for that, and they said, yeah, so no prize that they actually. Um.
2: Surprised, uh, pleasantly surprised. I'll get into a longer rant for in a minute. But were you surprised?
0: You know, and it was really not so much me thinking what the what the commission was going to do was just the overconfidence from Saunders and that whole squad and his fans just thinking, yeah, nothing's going to happen. This is like this is going to get pushed to the side, and uh, it didn't happen that way. So. I was kind of reading off their confidence. They maybe knew something. um, They were completely wrong.
2: Yeah, you know, it's very funny to me. There's a lot of British media types uh, who were completely convinced that Massachusetts was going to allow Saunders to keep fighting. uh, For what reason, I don't exactly know. Uh, The reason they gave is that Massachusetts apparently follows water rules and this substance is not banned for WADA outside of competition, and blah, blah, blah. So based on that reading, um, they said no. And they were confident uh, that he was going to be allowed to continue, and blah, blah, blah. This was all a mountain out of a mohill, blah, blah, blah. Well, there's a couple things that happen in America. First of all, um, these commissions are political institutions. Uh, what I mean by that is these are appointed by governors. These are, these are people who have been cronies of others. Um, so now Demetrius Andrade is going to be fighting a lesser guy for a title belt. Demetrius Andrade is from Rhode Island. He's from New England. He's a local guy, essentially. Um, that's one issue. So let's not pretend that politics have nothing to do with this. Of course they have something to do with it. You know, why should Massachusetts give a shit about Billy Joe Saunders? He's nothing to them. Okay. All right. Second issue is the issue of the contract. Okay. They signed for Vada, and this is a proscribed substance, banned substance for Vada. Okay. It's part of their contract. So the Massachusetts commission essentially looked at the contract, honored it and said, they both, subscribed to vada for this fight they both willingly participated in a contract for vada they one person violated this contract and so by the terms and the spirit of the deal no you know he violated he basically gave vada the authority when he said i'm going to i'm going to be uh signing up for vada he gave them the authority so i think massachusetts did the right thing I hope the WBO does the right thing and strips Saunders right now. Uh, he, there's an appeal process, blah, blah, blah. But I got to tell you something. I am sick and tired of the people who ripped on Canelo somehow defending Saunders. And it's vice versa, too. There are people who, uh, who ripped Saunders who are defending Canelo. I just don't understand it. I don't care if it's tainted beef. I don't care if it's nasal spray. I mean, we both know it's probably not, right? But it's mm-hmm. like, be, be consistent, you know, be consistent. I don't care. They're violating the spirit of drug testing. Okay? You do it. You're responsible for what goes in your body. Uh, this happens in every single sport, whatever it is, football, baseball, basketball, track and field. You are responsible. And if you sign up for drug testing, they give you a list of banned substances you have all these people, you have 30 cronies and people part of your posse, have one person actually be in charge of what is in each of your supplements or the things you're taking. That is your job as a professional. You broke the law or you broke the, the, the agreement do your, you know, you don't deserve to fight. You deserve to get stripped. You deserve to get suspended. You deserve to lose money. I don't really care. Right. There's re- to me, it makes no difference one way or the other whether it was intentional or unintentional. You broke a a drug testing agreement. The sport needs to be cleaned up. The sport needs to be safer in this way. I don't want people doing all sorts of things and, and skirting the law. Uh, uh, No. So uh, there's no preferential treatment for one person. Whether Oh, it's not the same. It's not the same. It is the same to me. Okay. They both violated Vada. No sympathy.
0: And I mean, as far as now Andre goes and his opponent, um, I'm going to be honest. I have no idea who this guy is, um, and I think a lot of people kind of share that sentiment. When, when the name got dropped, we were all like, "Who, who is this? Who is this guy?"
2: Yeah, it's a, um, it's a, Nib- it's an Namibian fighter uh, who has a little bit of power and is, is fairly raw. I got to tell you, um, he's actually ranked, I think, in the uh, in the top ten. Uh, his name is Walter uh, Katandak. Walter Katandakwa. Now, obviously, most of us haven't seen a lot of him or know much of him. Uh, he's 17 and 0. Uh, he fights from Namibia in southwestern uh, Africa. Um, you know, he has a 94% KO ratio. Uh, let's see. We've seen Namibian fighters like Dango, uh, Paulus Moses. These guys actually win belts and have some success. So. I'm not going to like, dismiss this fighter outright. We'll see. Uh, I know he's probably not as good as Billy Joe Saunders. Um, you know, And, and plus, um, Andre now has to switch from preparing for a lefty uh, to preparing for an orthodox fighter. So who knows? The guy might have a punch. Uh, we don't know exactly how good he is. But uh, I've been told he's not a can. So, uh, and frankly, Andre just needs a fight, right? He needs the opportunity to get in the ring, look good, win a belt. And even if, even if it is a walkover, it's good for him to get out there. He has a three fight deal. Now that he heard in the zone, like he needs to be out there being in front of people, looking good, creating some kind of demand. So I don't think this is a terrible scenario for him. I know it's difficult to to switch opponents like this, especially at this high level, but um, you know what? He's been out of the ring enough. So it's time for him to earn his keep and show boxing fans again, uh, you know, that he has real world level potential.
0: You know, it's scary when Gary Russell Jr.'s been more active than Demetrius Andre. So well, point really that scary. out to people.
1: That's a yeah, that's scary, really scary thought
0: to think about in boxing. But um, you know, I am like you, I g got, I gotta agree, you know, I'm glad that he's actually fighting. Let's cross our fingers be, that nothing happens between now and when the fight actually occurs. Because this is boxing, and we know some strange shit can happen. So let's hope yeah. Andre stays on the card and everything goes as right. planned with that. Um, but unfortunately, what this does as well, this adds even more murkiness to the middleweight division because now Billy Joe Saunders has been stripped with the fight that uh, they're going to have. is for the interim title. You know, if, if he appeals and he wins his appeal, then he's going to get an opportunity to fight again for the belt. Uh, and that just kind of delays things in getting kind of cleaned up. And tightened up in the middleweight division. You know, I was hoping the winner of this fight would maybe align themselves to face Canelo at some juncture next year. Now, if yeah. obviously if Saunders uh, wins his appeal, he's going to win his title fight back. It, it's it just adds more murkiness, unfortunately, yeah. to a division right now that we we know Canelo's number one because he won, um, not in everyone's eyes, but he won. And then you have a fight here uh, next weekend for uh, a vacant championship that was stripped of Triple G. It's just a lot of stuff encompassing boxing right now in that division.
2: Yeah, you know. And the other thing is, I didn't know who was going to win Andre versus uh, Saunders. It was it was an interesting fight. I was looking forward to it. You know, it was a it was a fight between uh, a top guy at 160 and a lot of people thought one of the most talented guys at 154. Uh, I didn't know who was going to win that. So. I guess boxing fans, I don't think it was going to be a great fight from a style perspective. I mean, but it was an interesting fight and an important fight. So it's not like, oh, we lost the fight of the year type fight. But, no, we lost, I think, an important fight that would have uh, showed the relative strengths and weaknesses of both guys. So we did miss out on that. Um, but, you know, what? that's the sport. And, and frankly, if, if I'd rather see the sport get clean. And if you have to break a few eggs, if we lose a few fights – You know, so be it. I think it's for the greater good.
0: Agreed. Totally agree. I mean, it's just, unfortunately, this happens all the time. Uh, This won't be the first time a fight gets uh, delayed or canceled uh, due to someone failing a drug test. Um, So, I mean, uh, this is what we live in right now in regards to sports, combat sports as a whole. You're going to constantly have this kind of stuff happen. So, uh, you know, karma is the word of the moment right now for Billy Joe Saunders. So I I hope he can just kind of set back, uh, contemplate and think about what he did wrong and get ready to fight his appeal and see if he can get another chance to get his title back.
2: Yeah. And you know what? And if he loses his appeal, he can get back in line and I'm completely fine with that. Uh, you know, take, take some time and, and uh, go to the back of the line and, and, you know, so be it. Um, you know, I, I just, uh, I'd rather have, if I, if we lose boxers who are cheating or are taking illegal substances and they don't fight, it's not, it's not going to bother me. It really isn't. I'm not so personally attached to one guy versus the other guy. I'd rather feel better about the sport, and I'd rather feel better that the testing process is working. And so uh, to me, that's more important. I do want good fights. I mean, we're not talking about, uh, you know, punch to the drug test radio here. Obviously, we, <laughs> we're here to watch fights and talk about them and love them, and we do but I, I want these sports cleaned up, you know?
0: Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. Now, uh, we may uh, delve a little bit into uh, maybe drug testing. We have our guest on, uh, president of DiBella Entertainment. Lou DiBella is going to be joining us here. Uh, momentarily, fans. So uh, I don't think Lou has ever had a boring interview. So I don't see that happening tonight. So right. Lou DiBella is going to bring it. Um, you know, that's what we try to do here on Punch the Face Radio. We try to bring people who bring the heat uh, so I'll also throw this out here. Next week's show, tentatively scheduled, this guy's been scheduled like three different times now. Maurice Hooker, uh, he's going to try to come on the show next week to talk about his title defense. He's going to have next month on ESPN. Um, so that'd be interesting. So that'd be interesting. That's a good you know, fight a,
2: against. Uh, yeah, that's a good fight against uh, I like that fight a lot.
0: Yeah, he's kind of an under the radar champion. I think a lot of people are looking for him to lose. Um, he's going to be going into enemy territory, so definitely interesting talking to him about. Uh, taking his fight and why he decided to bow out and not do the World Boxing Super Series as he was once rumored uh, to be a part yeah. of. So uh, he'll be on the show here next week.
2: Well, while we, um, while we wait for Lou, let's talk about uh, Canelo Fielding. And uh, so uh, Canelo is going to be moving up to 168 to fight for a secondary belt against Rocky Fielding, a guy who a few years ago was KO'd in one round by Callum Smith, who just won a title at 168. Um, Fielding's come back, had some decent performances against, you know, your B minus C plus guys. Uh, he was lucky to win a, a secondary belt earlier this year. Not lucky. He, he deserved it. But um, I don't have a problem with the fight, to be honest with you. The only thing I think it's bullshit is the, the three belt thing and blah, 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 because it's not, it's a fake belt. Um, <laughs> I have no problem with it. It's a, it's an in-between fight for Canelo Uh, It's an opportunity to fight New York, which I think is a great move from Golden Boy. And I think he needs to expand uh, his visibility and at least get him access to that media market. I think that will do wonders for him. I know he's a big star, but, you know, being in New York and doing the rounds of talk shows and TV and getting all the newspapers and the billboards, um, I think it's going to do wonders for his profile in the sport. And I think Fielding is made to order for him. And so, uh, you know, Eddie Hearn, who promotes Fielding, said, listen, You know, he jumped at the opportunity as his his fighter fielding. They weren't too greedy. They said, listen, this is our chance to make a name for ourselves and make some really good money. And so I have zero problem with this fight. The fight's going to sell out. I think fans know going into it that it's not going to be the most competitive fight ever. But you know what? If I'm on the East Coast and I'm a big fan of Canelo, I can't fly out for Vegas prices all the time on on Cinco de Mayo weekend like Brandon Stubbs. You know, like we can't (laughs) all be Brandon Stubbs you know, we're not all, we're not all well healed like that, but I could, I could take a train for an hour and a half or I could drive or I could get to New York. So I think it's a great opportunity to expand his fan base and uh, not to mention the fact that this is another opponent that kind of further solidifies Canelo in that, that big English, uh, Brit, British TV market. So, you know, mm-hmm. they're going to bring their whole crew with them and, uh, and this hasn't been determined who, what network will show it. It will be on Sky in England, but we don't know who will show it in America yet. But it, it, this is a very good political, you know, win-win move for Canelo. Do you see, similarly,
0: you you hit everything right on the head. You know, I, I looked at it from this aspect. You know, granted, this opponent he doesn't that a lot of us here in America are really familiar with. I, I honestly said. You know, what the fuck, when I saw the name, I was like, really? This can't be real. I, I know of Rocky because he holds that secondary belt, but just didn't make sense until I got the press release from Golden Boy. But I looked at it from the bigger aspect of Canelo's willing to challenge himself, go up a weight class, challenge himself, fight on a, a – I don't want to say a short layoff because he's, he's got a cut. we got to see if that's – how that well that's going to heal. He's been cleared. So, I mean, he, he's fighting here, and after a grueling fighting September – already back out of here in December. I respect that wholeheartedly that he's willing to do that. So, I mean, it's a a win-win. I mean, and it's going to be really great for him uh, to be able to do that and expand his marketplace and his foothold uh, in boxing. And I think when you open that up to the East Coast, I think that's just going to make him a bigger pay-per-view star going into 2019 and whoever he faces Cinco de Mayo here next year.
1: Yeah,
2: I hear it. So, We'll see I, I I'm sure there's going to be all sorts of uh, clamoring from various networks um, you know to it'll be it will be interesting you know as a parlor game to see where he winds up uh Showtime is going to make a deal top rank's going to try and make a deal the zone's going to try and make a deal. I won't be surprised if the t v network comes in and tries to make a deal, another one just for a one off type of fight um uh, I think that'll be interesting. But you know what? It's, it's a good event for New York. Uh, I know they're going to have uh, Lomachenko also in New York uh, in, in December. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I don't begrudge it. You know, not every fight. Uh, Canelo was just in a really tough fight. And uh, I the fact that if he was waiting a year to fight Rocky Fielding, yeah, I'd have a problem with that. But you know what? Not every fight needs to be uh, against a killer. And if he comes back in December and he comes back in May, so be it. I think that's great for the sport.
0: All right. As we're waiting on our guest, Lou debella to join us, um, we do have a caller calling in. I'm not sure if this is Lou or not. So. Let's uh, hope so it is. Adam, let's bring him on. So, uh, caller, you're here live here on Punch the Face Radio. Yeah,
3: what's going on? This isn't Lou DeBella, but uh, this is uh, J.R. Bell here in D.C. area. What's going on?
2: Hey Jr., how on, are man? you?
3: Yes, you're not exactly
2: sounding like Lou, but you're a good man, <laughs> nevertheless. Know him well.
3: What's going on? Yeah, uh, just uh, getting into the uh, talk here. Calling in, uh, you just you know mentioned the thing with Canelo Alvarez. Um, you know, what do you think about you know Oscar's news talking about he isn't necessarily uh, co-promoting uh, that upcoming fight between Canelo and uh, Rocky Fielding? I mean.
2: Listen, it's all about setting terms. I'm sure Oscar can make a deal directly with ESPN if he wanted to. Um, I'm sure he still has HBO you know, without it. Um, Oscar is, is basically saying, listen, I, I have the number one or number two star in boxing, however you feel, if it's Joshua or, or Canelo, whoever it is, it doesn't matter. You, you come to me with your best offer. You know, like, I don't need to, I don't need to uh, negotiate against myself. You know, what's your mm-hmm. best offer? You know, basically rounding up all the players and saying, listen, I'm not making deals. You come to me. You know, what is the best that you have for me? I'm not going to sacrifice the golden goose for you. So I think he's, he's in a great bargaining position. And, can, and Golden Boy also wants to make a deal for the rest of their stable. Let's be honest. So I think whoever wants to offer Oscar, you know, a package for additional fights probably has an upper hand, whoever that will be. So this is Oscar's opportunity, and they've been doing this play since, since Golden Boy had you know, Delahoy uh, still as a fighter and they were doing Mayweather. It's You want this attraction? That's great. I got these other guys too. They need to stay busy. So uh, I think you're going to see some type of deal for Golden Boy uh, <laughs> as part of this, as part of this uh, negotiation.
3: All right, gotcha. Uh, thank you for that answer, and I'll uh, leave y'all to uh, wait on Lou to get back oh, on. Oh, thanks.
2: Thanks for calling Jar. Appreciate it. I appreciate Bye. it, man.
0: Yep. All right, Adam, I'll openly say I saw the, the Florida area code. That's what threw me off. But I do want to say this, man, because I got family dealing with it down there in Florida, down in the south. Uh, to any of our listeners, you know, if you got family down there, my prayers and thoughts are with you guys uh, another hurricane down there. It's it's been dropped down to the category three. It's made its way inland. It's hopefully it's going to start uh, di- dissipating in strength. But uh, definitely thoughts and prayers with everyone dealing with that uh, down there. It's, it's it's a scary thing to deal with and, and worry about these hurricanes and weather. But uh, I, I'm definitely praying for everybody who's down there and having to suffer and go through that stuff.
2: Yeah, definitely. And uh, I'm actually uh, flying out to uh, to Florida on uh, Saturday. So I have a, uh, a work conference actually. It's in the Tampa area. So I think they're going to be, uh, spared a little bit, but, uh, yeah, it's devastation and and it's, it's tough. You know, there's a lot of, uh, uh, this, this sub hurricanes, kind of, uh, the one that was coming to North Carolina, everybody knew it was coming. I think this really intensified a lot in the last 48 hours. It became much, much more than what people were expecting. So it's tough to evacuate and make
0: your plans and, uh,
2: uh, yeah. Hope everyone's doing well.
0: Absolutely, now while we still got a little bit of time before Lou Bella joins us uh, Let me kind of get on a, uh, kind of touch on something that I typed a lot on last week's show uh, And then it ended up being a complete utter dud um, You know, and I, I want to apologize right now to all of my listeners When I said last week that uh, Dylan Dubois would impress And you American fans would fall in love with him uh, When you got an opportunity to watch him on the ESPN uh, card ESPN Plus card uh, Frank Warren put on here on Saturday And it was god-awful um, yeah. I can't completely, you know, Dubois did not look great, but Kevin Johnson also was there just, just to be there. Um, and the other fights didn't deliver either. So I apologize to all the listeners. Uh, it was completely my fault. I misread everything. It is
2: your fault. And actually. It was, it it was going to
0: be a good card until you start getting on board, you know, you're sabotaging it completely. Yeah, anytime I think of something being positive and it comes out being crap, that that's that's just already a sign. So if I overly hype something on the show, just know when that event happens, it is going to suck and it is going to suck horribly. With that being said, that I'm also looking forward to Jeff Horn Anthony Mundine that's been made official now.
2: Oh, good. You know it sucks,
0: you know, whenever you hype a fight or
2: try and bring people in to see a fight, I was like you the 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 other fight on that card was Jack Catterell against the hard Davies, And um there's an interesting fight between two uh, junior welterweights that have some promise. And it was just a terrible fight. Both fighters were unwilling to take any risks. Uh, I, I hope that it was, I don't think either fighter deserved to win. I, I want it to be a draw, and I wanted neither fighter to be on television again. It was that bad. It was one of those days that like, you question your life choices. You're like, I spent an hour on a Saturday afternoon when I could have been doing 10 other things watching this shit fest okay, between two fighters that aren't going for it. This is right after I watched a 10-round boar fest between Daniel Dubois and Kevin Johnson, who, God forbid, throws five punches around. okay? Like, the boar fest, I expected, <laughs> but I did not expect the shit fest, okay? That really soured me. Luckily, we had some good fighting later on the weekend, blah, blah, blah. By the end of the night, I went to bed happy, blah, blah, blah. It was, pe- it was perfect. Uh, so... <clears throat> Lou said, I, he, I Lou said, said he's on and waiting. So yes, that was yeah, my, that absolutely. Was my I
0: think you, okay. I think you set the tone perfect. For, you know for four letter bombs. So, uh, uh, you know, lose free to let him fly because right now we have joining us the president of Debella Entertainment, the one and only, uh, the passionate, <laughs> the knowledgeable Lou Debella, is live here on Punch the Face Radio.
4: Well, I, I wasn't intending on using any vulgarity, but I guess fuck it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm sorry. I don't know. You, you didn't have the misfortune of watching that terrible Jack Catterall O'Hara Davis fight. It was, it was just awful. I, I,
4: I, I, I'm not in the mode these days where I reach for bad programming. Yeah, fair um, enough. But fair you know enough. what? i got to be honest with you. I didn't think that the, the first I – mean, was that a rematch?
2: No, um, uh, it wasn't a rematch. Uh, um, who, did Davis,
4: who did Davis lose to? Uh,
2: Josh Taylor.
4: Okay, yeah. you're that's right, that's right.
2: But, I mean, Lou I was thanks.
4: actually, I, 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 that's a bad loss, man, for, for Davis. that awful? Very idea, tough. Very tough.
2: Well, Luke, th- yeah. thanks for coming on. We got a lot to talk to you about. Um, one of the, we got, we got two or three big fights the next month. Let's start with one of the most high profile ones, which is um, Danny Jacobs against Sergey uh, Derevchenko. And what's really interesting about this fight is, Something you rarely see in modern boxing is two people from the same gym and the same uh, uh, camp, essentially, fighting each other. Uh, were you surprised that this fight got made?
4: Um, a little bit, based on the fact that they sort of share trainers for a long time. And, um, you know, I was somewhat surprised by it. But, you know, Danny's been uh, desperate to win a title. And, you know, this it presented itself as a title shot. I mean, those guys know each other very, very well. They've sparred countless rounds and it's been good work. Um, But Danny must have a very strong level of confidence in the fight. Um, It's a little weird when your trainers sort of split and one goes with one guy and one goes with the other, but it's not the first time it's ever happened. Um, But it's, look, it's a a terrific matchup. It's a real, I I think, a really dangerous fight for Danny Jacobs, particularly if he looks the way he looked his last couple of fights, which I don't think have been two of his strongest performances. Um I, I think it's a you know, wide open sort of fight where Dervinchenko's style, which is very technical and, and um he does have power, but it's it's a kind of power that manifests itself based on his effectiveness and he lands so often and he's so accurate that, you know, he he tends to wear his opponents down and beat them up and stop them late. Um he's gotta if is gonna win this fight, he's gotta get past one of his you know, sort of few um, flaws, which is starting slowly. You know, he's always had a habit of starting slowly. I don't think he can afford with a popular guy like Jacobs. And even though Sergey lives in Brooklyn, it's a big Ukrainian population in New York, you know, Danny still is the miracle man, the local kid from, from New York. And, and uh, uh, I think the hometown advantage will be slightly on Danny's side. So I think that sergey has got to start a little bit quicker than he usually does, but I think he's got an incredibly good chance to win the fight. And in fact, you know, if I bet on fights involving my own fighters, I probably would bet on it.
2: Well, there's a lot of confidence, Brandon. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, is it one of those things to where with Sergey, to where it's almost like he must win this fight and must win it convincingly, given the fact of how this belt kind of gotten it got stripped of Triple G. I know a lot of fans are. Still kind of salty about that, and I know Triple G's camp is as well. Uh, does he kind of need that validation for him to go out and not only win, but win in a convincing fashion and gain that title, showing that hey, um, he I, I the think whole he time. needs to
4: win in a convincing fashion. Even though he's he's ahead of Danny in the in, in the rankings, Danny was the former world champion and and um, obviously has a bigger following in the New York area. I don't think if it's a fight that can go either way, I think it's going to go against Sergey. I think he has to win convincingly i don't think he has to knock him out but i think i I don't think he's going to win a fight that people are debating on the internet who won you know what i mean so i think it's (laughs) got to be a convincing victory and um but i think he can have that kind of win and i also think he's look you know danny can punch everyone knows that but uh, but i also think that sergey um can land on danny and maybe wear him down i I, i've heard great things out of sergey's training camp in colorado and um I think he's going to be really prepared for this fight. Uh, he has really not made significant money in his career. Um, he's a superb fighter, but basically, you know, as is the case with many of these foreign fighters who come over here, don't speak a lot of English, and, and um, don't have natural fan bases until they've proven themselves, particularly when they're really good. Look, Lomachenko was thrown in at the title level literally from his pro debut, um, you know, Sergey only has about a dozen fights. But, but and there's no question, and, and by the way, they haven't all been against superb on paper opposition because the superb on paper opposition didn't want to fight him. And, you know, I mean, this is a case where if there wasn't a mandatory rule and if the IBF didn't stick to their own rules, Derevchenko wouldn't be getting a shot at the title.
1: And he's yeah. finally
4: getting it, but when, when, when someone says a guy is hungry – you know, Danny's a multimillionaire. How hungry is he? Sergei literally is hungry. You know, he's got, he's got kids. He's got a wife. Um, you know, to some extent, his life was, was a little bit more predictable and easier when he was an amateur. But obviously, the Ukraine's war-torn. T- like many of the great fighters from the Ukraine, he relocated. Um, and it was a long road getting to this point. And now this is basically his... Legacy, but not only his legacy, his family's, his family's fortunes ride on this fight. So, you know, I think that if there's an edge in the fight in Sergey's direction, is it's he's the hungrier guy who needs this win even more.
2: Yeah, I think this uh, this should be a good style matchup. Even if Danny decides to get a little technical, I think the rounds that they've had sparring each other, they both have confidence to uh, uh, that they know that they could probably land their best at some point. So. I think it's a very good style matchup. Uh, on the same night, I want to talk to you about, you have another fighter uh, fighting uh, in the World Boxing Super Series I'm talking about Regis'
1: program.
4: Well, before you get to Regis, uh, I also have yeah. another fighter fighting for a title on the undercard. Two, two fighters, three fighters right. fighting for titles on the undercard yeah. in, 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 uh, at the Hula Theater at the Garden. Yondale Evans, who um, is coming off two big wins, of one over under, then undefeated, um, Bilal Dib um, knocked him off sort of his pedestal and, and, and then went on to beat the late, may he rest in peace, Louis Rosa uh, in what was a fight of the year candidate on Showbox. And now Yondale's getting an opportunity against Machado. And, uh, and obviously the, re, the uh, replay of the 216 female fight of the year um, between Heather Hardy and Shelly Vincent. So we yes. got that going on at the Hulu Theater in New York and then in New Orleans. You were about to ask about
2: the Rougarou. So my question about Prograce and Flanagan, one of the interesting features about the World Boxing Super Series is the top seeds get a chance to choose who they'd like to fight. And Prograce had a chance to uh, fight a number of opponents, and he picked Terry Flanagan. Uh, From their perspective, and Flanagan was an ex-champ at 135 who moved up to 140 and lost to Maurice Hooker. Uh, What a particular... um, why, from what you've heard, did they wind up choosing Flanagan? What was the thought process there?
4: Um, well, you know, there was some division within the camp, but but ultimately the fighter and the trainer are the ones that make that particular decision. Um, there was some split, and there were some of us that didn't think Flanagan was the easiest guy in the pool. Um, mm-hmm. Reed just gets more motivated when he sees some something in the fight that's significant, and you know, Flanagan being an ex-champion, Flanagan's loss to Hooker might have been probably the, one of the worst performances of of his career and, frankly, one of the best of Hookers. Um, he wanted to get to take on the guy that he thought was made for him style-wise, came right at him. Um, you know, Flanagan's had a little bit of pop and he could fight. A former world champion, he's not going to be overwhelmed by the situation. Um, but, you know, Regis wanted to have that notch on his belt of, of defeating another former world champion. And um, he also thought that, that Flanagan's style is to engage. Um, Regis likes to be engaged and to engage in the ring. Uh, that's one of the reasons I think his popularity is skyrocketing so quickly. This kid's never been in a boring fight, nor will he be in one. It's just not how he fights. Um, mm-hmm. And I think he feels that Flanagan's sort of style-wise suited for him, you know. Um, and I was watching an interview, actually, we had a press day for the bell entertainment had a press day today for for regis in new orleans because world boxing super serious in the zone don't seem to have seem to have any press conferences or press days um <laughs> but okay. you know I, I i flew regis and his trainer and <clears throat> even though i'm not participating in the gate or promoting the fight i flew them into new orleans today and M- bernie you know uh, our pr guy was there we had, a, we had a big media day for regis there and he did a bunch of interviews and um and, you know, what he said was, you know, I think, you know, after his last performance, he, he wants to tighten up his defense a little bit more. Um, and he, he said he also knows, wants to be more effective in his, his punching, and he thought that he, thinks that he thinks he can be very effective against Flanagan. He thinks that Flanagan's going to bring out sort of his killer instinct, but, uh, you know, allow him to score a, a, a sensational knockout win, and we're going to find out. And he's a confident person, Regis, as I think you guys know.
1: Yeah,
0: agreed. And, and do you see, you know, with him, if he's able to come out of this tournament unscathed and obviously the winner, do you see him maybe being a huge star, kind of like how Yusik is after he won uh, the No,
4: away, he Yusik wins? isn't a huge star, dude. I mean, I mean like, we, we, we get a little too close to things because we're boxing insiders. You know, Yusik's a great fighter. Might be a big star in Ukraine, but he's not a big star here. Anthony Joshua, for Christ's sake, is not a big star here. Um, I, I think he has the ability to be actually a big star, and, and, and it probably will have to come. I mean, the, the tournament will build his reputation and his name, and he, if he gets through the tournament winning the whole thing, he'll walk out of it with several pieces of hardware and a big reputation. Um, but then I think he'll be very well situated, because this, this whole tournament is going to take place in roughly uh, 15 months. So, I mean, he, he'll have the opportunity to, to seriously increase his credentials and his resume and, and his marketability worldwide in, in, in 15 months. But, look, you, you have a kid that's highly intelligent, you know, very strong um, sense of self, very bright, very well read, you know, has an appeal to the urban market um has a great backstory this you know surviving katrina being relocating to houston surviving a second hurricane there um you know at one point he didn't know where his family was or if they were alive after katrina and he was you know for a while living out of a car so i mean you know this is not a guy that's going to be fe- uh, in fear of any guy in a rink and um I think his whole package, and look, I mean, you've seen the post fight interviews. I mean, no one coaches this kid on what to say. He's got a natural, um, you know, he, he's got a swagger that differentiates him from a lot of other guys and a personality that differentiates him from a lot of other guys. And when you look at the top guys pound for pound in the, in, in the world right now, if Reed just can insert himself on that list by his performance over the next, you know, quality, you know, 15 months, um, uh, he's got more pizzazz than just about anybody on that pound-for-pound pound list and more marketability.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, he, he has a real potential opponent in Taylor if they keep winning. That could be a, a fantastic fight. That so, could be a, a
4: huge fight of worldwide interest. I think by the time, I mean, I, I, it doesn't appear to me there are going to be many people out there to knock off. Even, I mean, I'm, I, I personally would favor Regis against Ramirez when and if they do fight. But, but frankly, I think I, I expect Ramirez to probably get it through the next 12 to 15 months also. But I think that there'll be fights out there for Regis. It'll be huge fights. You know, Josh Taylor's one of them, but all likelihood he and Josh Taylor, if they keep winning would fight in the tournament.
1: Yep. That's right. Um,
4: By the time he gets out of that tournament, particularly if he's beaten Josh Taylor, he'll be one of the biggest names in the world. And at that point, you're looking at Mikey Garcia, Lomachenko, you know, the the possibilities are, are, are really interesting. Um, um,
2: Let me, let me. I know we only have you a few more minutes. Let me move to a couple other things real fast. Um, Another fighter yours uh, who's fighting for a title shot is uh, Tevin Farmer, Uh, or he's uh, defending his title uh, against James Tennyson. Let me take this from another perspective. Uh, Tevin Farmer, at one point in time, he's from my hometown of Philadelphia, and uh, he was 174 and one. Uh, You saw something in him. Uh, and it's safe to say that very few others did uh, and well, where he doesn't I, I
4: did that fight um, I did that fight Adam that, where he was 7-3-1 and one, and I needed a replacement opponent for Pedraza who I was promoting at the time and was on Showbox and we got Tevin last minute as was the case with most of Tevin's fights and of course he was, get, he was no one did him any favors the first 11 fights of his career he had virtually no amateur background he didn't have a manager then and he was just getting tossed to the Wolves um, but I was really impressed with the performance he gave against Pedraza losing sort of coming in on really short notice. And, you know, despite his seven, three and one record, this kid believed he had what it took. It took even then he believed he had what it took to be a champion and, and a, and a good fighter. And I remember him saying to me, like leaving the arena, and I probably thought he was a little bit nuts. Keep your eye on me. Cause you haven't heard the last of me. And I was in a bar. I don't know. Call it a year later and I'm watching a, one of those Golden Boy shows on ESPN, and Tevin's beating the living bejesus out of this kid. He's just smacking this kid all over the ring, and I didn't know it was Tevin. I'm in a bar, and I'm just watching a fight in the background, and I'm seeing this little black guy beating the hell out of this good-looking Mexican kid, and or Mexican-American kid, as the case may be. I don't remember now. that It was a De Hoya undefeated prospect. And it looked like Pernell Whitaker beating this guy every round. And then they showed his record at the end of the fight, and he was 11, I think, at the time. I think that made him either 10-4 and one or 11-4 and one. And that win caused me to make a call to. He had a new manager. I, I called that manager and I said, you know, wow. I said I was a really impressive win. And um, we started talking, and then I, I got, I made a deal with Kevin shortly after that, and he's been on a tremendous string of. Of wins. I mean, it took a lot of time and, it, and investment, but um, it all it took a tremendous amount of guts from him and a tremendous amount of resilience and ability to overcome adversity. You know, he got shot through the hand, uh, very serious injury. Originally, I thought it might be career-ending. Within a matter of four months, with probably only 60% use of the hand that was shot, the opportunity to fight for a world title presented itself, and even though he was far from 100 percent and much more of a one on fighter, he took the fight. I thought he he won the fight. Yeah, um,
2: I thought he won pretty easily. Actually, and, and I and
4: I didn't think it was very close. I mean, it, I mean to be honest with you, like I was, it uh, shows you like bad, you know, bad bad judgment and mojo. Uh, I went to the beer to get a like sort of a victory beer, uh, and when I got back to the couch. I saw he didn't get the decision and I almost friggin' had a heart attack. Um, more because I was bummed out for him. And he went through a real funk after that, man, like a serious depression and stuff. And then, bang, shockingly, because it doesn't usually happen to Japanese fighters, the Japanese fighter fails a drug test. And then his kid is given a, you know, a second bite at the apple and then wins a world title. Yeah. And, um, he's a tremendously good story. Tennyson's a dangerous guy. I mean, you know, Tennyson's not going to outbox Tevin, but Tennyson can pop. You know, that's why Hearn wanted to make the fight. Um, And, you know, Tennyson can punch, and and it's not, you know, he's got to be careful. I I expect to see Tevin outbox Tennyson and and, and maybe even um, get to him late in the fight, but he's got to be careful because Tennyson does have equalizer kind of power.
0: Uh, one thing I do want to kind of go over right quick Because I know you mentioned her But we also want to give a special shout out to Heather Hardy Because her fight's now going to be on HBO Which looks to be the last fight ever uh, On HBO, last card uh, at least. For I don't some think it's going to be
4: the last card ever on HBO By the way, I think that It, it certainly would be, could be the last women's fight On HBO ever and, it, and it's going to be one of the last fights ever and, and, I, and look, I give them credit for reversing themselves And making that decision You know, it's important for the future of women's boxing And for both of these women in the fight that this fight is televised, and it was 2016's female fight of the year, according to Ring Magazine, um, and believe me, I tried hard to sell this fight for the last two years, and um, you know, to have it on, on HBO, these girls aren't getting wealthy from it, I mean, they're not getting any big increase in their purses because the fight's televised by HBO, it's a very de minimis increase, uh, it's good for them with respect to sponsors, but what it does for, for respect to their, their brands and their attention to themselves and attention to women's boxing, it's really, really significant. But you know what? Like, we can't sit here and slap ourselves on the shoulders because, you know, I got another girl who's out there, you know, fighting MMA this weekend, Amanda Serrano, who's won mm-hmm. six titles, world titles in six different weight classes, is pretty much universally thought of right now as the number two for pound female fighter in the world at the moment, and um, she's, talk, she's talking about sticking with MMA because she's just unhappy with the inability to make a significant payday in, in boxing. Now, I think significant paydays are coming for her. Um, you know, uh, if she wants to continue this ungodly quest to keep winning titles in different weight classes and, and belts in different weight classes, she could fight, you know, Lady Cecilia. Um, I, I think that's a real reach given her true weight um but there are bigger fights there katie taylor there's other stuff happening but if you're amanda serrano and you've been fighting since you're a teenager you're 29 years old and you're making more money as an uh an o and one mixed martial artist than as a, a potential future hall of fame boxer um i you know Like I I do the best I can. I think I've done a really good job with her, but I can't blame her for her frustration, and I can't blame her for her anger, and I can't even blame her that some of it gets directed in my direction, even though I think it's somewhat misplaced, because I think I've worked really hard to try to get attention and and platforms and opportunities for the women that I work with, but I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to tell you it's been as successful as I would like. Um, I'm taking great you know, I've taken a you know a little bit of joy. I was going to say great joy, but a little bit of joy in and the fact that these two women, Heather and 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 Shelley, are getting this much-deserved platform and opportunity to fight each other again in front of a major audience. And you know, both of those women are in their 30s and they grew up during the heyday of HBO boxing. So to them, HBO was the holy grail, the someday fight on HBO. And both of them are going to be able to say. Before HBO Boxing is out of business, which I didn't think I'd ever be talking about, um, both of those women are going to be able to say, I fought on HBO. Now, yeah. that being said, that's not of much solace to Amanda Serrano. And um, despite her announced retirement, which she, she has announced, uh, her retirement from boxing, um, I'm going to be still looking to get her the kind of economic opportunity she deserves. Yeah.
2: Well, Lou, let's, uh, let's talk briefly about HBO. So, um, you obviously were the number two man at HBO uh, in the 90s when many people think it was their heyday. Uh, I know that I was watching HBO back then and I wrote a piece, and that was such a wonderful time to be a fan of the sport. Uh, can you give me a little I mean, I look, record? in
1: fairness,
4: I, I had to, at the time, I had the biggest budget in, you know, as the head of programming for HBO Sports, I had the biggest budget in all of boxing. Um, yeah. I was voted the most powerful person in boxing worldwide on more than one occasion. Um, you know, I, I, I think I had a passion for the sport, and I knew what made good matches. And at the, but when you know when you ha, when are armed also with a budget that is the most significant in your country at that point in time, and you know we also had jumped in HBO to the pay-per-view um, area um, with my colleagues Seth Abraham and, and Mark Taffer Ross Greenberg. You know TVKO was created and then became HBO pay-per-view. Um, You know, we were doing big fights on on HBO Sports, you know, on the network, on Championship Boxing. We were doing big fights on Boxing After Dark, which was doing incredible ratings with fighters who initially, when they first appeared on After Dark, were for the most part unknown. Um, And then, you know, we we had mega fights with regularity between De La Hoya and, uh, you know, Trinidad and the heavyweight division. Back in the 90s, you know, Bo yeah. and uh, Holyfield, Lewis, Tyson, um, yeah. you know, it, it, was, it was sort of a glorious you know, period. It's hard for me to imagine that there won't be HBO Boxing in, after 2018.
2: Can you, uh, can you real briefly talk about, not just, we understand how good HBO Boxing was back then, but in terms of the priority of boxing at HBO and how it was, it was, was must-see programming.
4: It was considered must-see yeah. programming. I mean, like you know, our department, the, the sports department, we were big shits back then, you know, within the HBO building. You know, that the top programming on the network were like The Sopranos and, you know, we had, we were known for a great series, and Sex and the City and Oz and The Wire. We had great documentaries, but boxing was. You know, boxing and the sports department were, you know, hot shits. I mean, Seth Abraham was a nationally recognized, you know, head of a sports division and, and the centerpiece of that sports division, even though at the time we had a much greater width than premium cable sports has. You know, today we were doing a huge slate of the best documentaries in the world, constantly winning Emmy Awards for documentaries. We had Wimbledon. We had Inside the NFL. Um, the, you know the, there was a breadth of sports. Boxing was the bread and butter of of the department, and, and everybody that worked in the sports department, you know, frankly, just about everyone in the in the '90s had a passion for boxing because we knew where our bread was buttered. And I, I think a key, you know, to some extent, like you have to deliver results for people to to value your programming that way. Um, I think we deserved, we delivered results, but. The, the, we were very important to the network um, you know, in that period from the, the late 80s through through 2000. And then I think starting around 2000, a little bit less so. You know, yeah. I think that boxing, you know, sort of slipped in terms of its priority uh, among, you know, the programming that was on HBO. And I think that that sort of continued to the point where it became a self-perpetuating prophecy. You yeah. Know? And, and I think that it, you know, Maybe the timing was shocking to so pe- some people, but I don't think a lot of people, including myself, were totally shocked right. when they heard.
2: So, I mean, I, I compare it to kind of like losing, uh, uh, when you lost HBO Boxing, It's kind of like losing a family member in that it was somebody who was very important to you at a certain point in time. And I think for many people in my generation, uh, we grew up, HBO Boxing was almost our introduction to the sport. Uh, so I think it played a very role, uh, important role in teaching us about the sport, educating us about the Look, sport. Look, I wouldn't be
4: I, if Seth Abraham didn't hire me, and and, and uh, the, the then general counsel of HBO, John Redpath, didn't hire me. And uh, you know, I got to meet almost all my heroes. I mean, my, my my you know my favorite sports were boxing and baseball, and I own two minor league baseball teams now: the Giants' double A affiliate, the Tampa double A affiliate. You know, I've had a pretty tremendous career in boxing, and none none of that would have happened without HBO. So, you know, for me, those people I worked with, you know, for all those years, you know, all those years ago, were like family to me. Some of them aren't around anymore, and God bless them and rest them in peace. But you know, guys like Artie Curry, who was, you know, one of the greatest guys ever met in boxing, um, no longer with us, but he he was our our talent director throughout the 90s and. You know, we had the Jackets, briefly had them, because there was a lawsuit over them, and I think like 10 of them exist, but the Jackets said, you know, HBO, The Heart and Soul of Boxing, and for a long time, HBO was The Heart and Soul of Boxing, and I'm proud of those years, and I'm sorry to see them go. Hello? 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 All right.
0: I'm not sure if anyone can hear me or not, but the show just completely – the website just dropped. Um, I, I apologize to Bella. Uh I, I, I don't know what just technically happened. So if anyone can hear me, please let me know. Uh, send me a tweet, DM me, uh, that you can hear me here on air. I'm actually having a call here from my cell phone because, well, walk Talk Radio just completely dropped and completely just ruined the show. Uh, so I do apologize about that, and I do apologize to our guest Luda Bella. Uh, literally, my signal just dropped out of nowhere. It just completely died. Um, I I don't know what happened. I can't explain it, but it's, it's something I'm definitely not happy about. Uh, so I do apologize here to our guest, Nuda Bella. Um, my sincerest apologies in regards to that. Like I said, I, hopefully everyone can hear me uh, now that I'm back here on the show. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm speechless. I'm trying to get Adam back on as we speak. I'm not sure if Adam can even hear me now, so... Um, yeah, I, I don't know what happened um, here with that. So um, so the show dropped. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know what's going on. So I'm just trying to get everything together here um, right now. So, um, uh, again, if you can hear the show, please send me a DM here. Um, uh, Brandon punched a P2TF on Twitter. Or uh, If you're listening to the show live, send me a text to let me know that you can hear the show. Because I I don't I can't tell if the show is going on or not uh, still as well. So uh, just bear with me here a few more seconds um, to see if we can get everything back up and running here on the show. So again I do my apologies to everyone who's listening. Again this is um, technical difficulties here. Again I, I don't know what exactly is going on with Blog Talk, uh, but we're trying to get everything up and running now. So uh, give me a few seconds here. We'll see if we can get everything back and running here on the show. Um, uh. Man, just so disappointed that. So I did miss out on the back end of Luda Bella. So let's see if we can get Adam on here now. Adam, I'm, I'm here. here. I'm here. All right. I have no idea what happened there. Um, literally, either Lou set something on fire, <laughs>
1: <It> <laughs> caused
0: the the show to literally just drop there. So. Uh, we do apologize to you about the technical difficulties that uh, we incurred. Um, hopefully you will also heard me slamming and swearing refusely there for a few moments. So uh, we'll definitely make sure we, we get the message to Ruta Bella. It was not his fault. Uh, something yeah. just went awry there. so uh, we still have 45 minutes still left on the show. Uh, let, let's hope this goes smooth before uh, the show decides it just wants to stop again on us. so that has happened?
2: Has that ever happened to you before?
0: That has actually happened one time before. It actually happened. Um, I'm thinking, who did I interview? Um, oh man, it was he was an Adrian Broner opponent, or he was going to be an Adrian Broner opponent, but he dropped out. Um, man, I, w- I can't remember the guy's name for nothing. Hang on, it'll come to me in a second. But he actually the it actually dropped out the show like literally five minutes before he called it in it, it dropped out like 10 minutes in, like the show just decided, all right, we're going to end. And it literally, everything on the screen just went blank.
2: Yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah. It, was ver- it was very nice to Lou, uh, to, to come on and, uh, uh, I, 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 could text him and come back on, but we were, we were kind of wrapping up with a, with a final comment, but I think it was very interesting to, um, hear his thoughts about what HBO boxing used to be like in terms of its prominence and its place in the network and whatever you might say about uh, the job of the recent presidents. It's really clear that the corporate commitment way back in the eighties and nineties for boxing. I mean, HBO, that was one of, boxing was one of its main uh, drivers in terms of bringing eyeballs in terms of generating buzz to the network and as HBO has become a, a creature of its own success, uh, you know, boxing doesn't play the same role. It, it is a shame uh, to see what happened. I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was sad to see. Um, but, you know, these things happen. The they, mergers happen. Uh, leadership changes. Uh, the sport's gone through so many upheavals. Uh, it's, it was still a very sad day when I found out there was no joy in my end, no matter how much beef I had. With whoever's in charge of HBO or the broadcasters or the matchmaking, this was a part of my youth, and I was unhappy to see such a tradition go up in smoke in the snap of a finger.
0: Yeah, I completely agree, man. It was like, you put it best. It's like losing a family member because HBO boxing is how I got introduced to boxing. That's how I found Roy Jones Jr. That's how I fell in love with boxing. Was watching his fights, uh, watching him and guys like Pennell Whitaker. Uh, guys like Kevin Kelly, uh, guys like Hector Camacho, you know, Hector Camacho Sr., uh, towards the tail end of his career, we see him still on HBO. And then the emergence of guys like Oscar De La Hoya, uh, Shane Mosley, Vern Forrest, uh, to a much lesser extent, uh, Felix Tito Trinidad, because I'm a Miguel Cotto fan, and I discovered him through HBO. So, I mean, sure. you know, all of HBO brought, you know, some of my favorite fighters of all time and guys who uh, are the reason why I'm passionate about the sport. I watched and got to know through watching HBO Boxing. And it's it's going to be feel so weird that we're not going to see Jim Lampley, uh, Max Kellerman, Roy Jones Jr., Larry Merchant, uh, that whole squad that once was HBO Boxing. We're not going to have those guys on a Saturday night anymore. And it, it's a shame, uh, but I do think eventually they'll be back. And I, I, I hope it's sooner than later, but uh, time will tell how that plays out.
2: Yeah, but you know what, though, Brandon? Uh, at their peak, they were the best. You know, yeah. they, they, they knew it, but they were the best. And if you were a fighter and you fought on HBO, that meant you were the best. I mean, that's just that was that feeling. They had that much market share. They, uh, everybody else showing boxing that era was just small potatoes. If you made it on HBO, you, you were somebody.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, if, it was, if you were a boxing star, you weren't part of that network. Uh, Showtime still was building their brand in regards to boxing. Uh, it was kind of looked at behind as being the secondary tier uh, of fighters and uh, of really elite fighters is that secondary tier the guys knew. Like, oh, those guys are great. But HBO is where all the stars are. I mean, they, they were the, the A side. You know, if you were on HBO, you were doing something right in your career. So it, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's a shame. It's sad. But, I mean, it's the, it's the sport that is boxing. I mean, it's ever-evolving. I mean, we're seeing more and more of these – Streaming apps popping up. Uh, There's even been word of main events. Uh, Maybe getting back in business with uh, NBC Sports. So they may be airing fights again uh, through that network. So, I mean, boxing's going to have a home somewhere. Uh, Sure. Things come full circle. So, I mean, again, HBO's not completely done. Uh, I think we'll see them at some juncture years down the road get back in the
1: boxing business.
2: Yeah, it seems like they might. Um, I think they understand what a big pay-per-view means and – Uh, you know, HBO builds, they like big events, they have a familiarity with boxing, they have a comfort level. Uh, It's interesting that, you know, uh, Jim Lampley is going to remain with the network, and the other guys are kind of free to pursue other opportunities. So I thought that was very interesting, that they decided to keep him around just in case, you know, it's almost uh, hedging their bets a little bit.
0: Yeah, and I mean, they'll be able to find things for him to do. I think you'll see him a lot more working with real sports there on HBO, and uh, I don't think it'll take much for them to tether back in and find another retired fighter that they can add as a commentator, or finding another boxing expert, maybe not as annoying as Max Kellerman, uh, who can <laughs> give us the story of the fight in maybe a different way. Uh, you know, but then that also leads me to wonder what what will happen with Roy Jones Jr. You know, will he find a home on another network? Because let's face it, I think a lot of us will agree. One of our favorite parts about watching boxing on HBO is hearing what's going to come out of Roy Jones Jr.'s mouth. We don't yeah, know what he's, he's gonna next. So so I mean in he, as much as we pick at Max Kellerman, uh, you know, he's at times tolerable and, and I always will miss Larry Merchant. I always thought they kind of did him a little bit raw and didn't keep him on a little bit longer than what they should have. So I mean it'll it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting nevertheless.
2: Yeah. Uh all right, well let's let's recap some fights. We got some a lot of good stuff uh from last week and uh let's start off with uh with the Rat King. Astriskate Sorong Vizai, uh affectionately known as the Rat King on Twitter, uh cuz he does like to eat rats. This is not me making some type of socio-cultural political statement like okay. he actually <laughs> eats rats. Um uh so on one hand he had uh he looked very good against a capable guy named Iran Diaz uh from Mexico. Uh his record was only like 12, 2, and 3, but he showed a really good chin, Diaz, and he has some evasive defensive moves. Sriscatet, on one hand, looked really good, he probably dominated one, nine, or 10 rounds of the fight. The other, On the other hand, though, he probably got dropped twice, neither of which were called. Thank you, Jay Needy. That's why you're a terrible ref. Um, and, and I don't know, uh, you know. I still thought he looked great in that fight. I thought both the, other, the times where he went down were ruled slips. I thought one was definitely legit, was kind of a flash knockdown type thing. Uh, the second, uh, I don't know. And, uh, but anyway, uh, I don't know how much you saw of the fight. Uh, are you troubled that Surskotet went down a couple times, whether legitimate or not? Is, does this hurt his status? What's, what's your opinion?
0: I don't think anyone really separated themselves from the pack in regards to challenging him. Uh, we saw that at the last Superfly card. It just, no one really showed that, that pizzazz to say, hey, I'm that next guy up. And uh, even a, a German, um, I know I'm forgetting his name here, and, uh, and, and smart, Chaos. You know? And Chaos. And Chaos. Uh, you know, he really didn't look great in his fight that he just had here a couple of weeks ago on ESPN. So, uh, you know, SSR is still the man to beat there. I, I wasn't really troubled by the fight I, I thought he you know he had his moments where he didn't look great but i still is, think overall there was a. will uh, give it a b plus performance uh, kind of yeah. given he wanted to have a fight there in his homeland uh, i don't know if he might have fought down a little bit to the opponent uh but i think if he comes back over here to america i think we're going to see him step it back up like he did in his previous bounce okay. uh he'll be super fly card so I, i'm not going to take any sort of discount from him the way he looked here this past weekend over in thailand uh, it was what it was. I don't think we're going to see back-to-back performances where he has a kind of slippage.
2: I got to tell you something. That was the most bloodthirsty crowd I've ever heard in my life. Uh, listening to them, every time he punched, they're like,
1: raw, raw,
2: raw. Like, they wanted, they wanted Iron uh, Diaz's head on a stake. You know, they wanted blood squirting around. They wanted – they wanted to roast him alive. It, it was it was ghoulish. Now maybe it was because it was also a, on a Muay Thai card with also MMA and uh, and boxing. But I'm telling you, that was the most ravenous crowd I've ever heard in my life. Like I I I, I can only imagine what it must have been like in the arena. Hearing it, I don't know, ten thousand miles away was was was. Uh, uh, I don't even know, like somebody punched me in the face. It was so strong and not what I'm used to hearing. It was just a crazy atmosphere in Bangkok.
0: Yeah, man, it was, I think because you got that mixed martial arts crowd uh, with the boxing crowd because that, you know, his fight was a special attraction there the night. Uh, I think that's why you kind of got that weird bag of energy out there. But, yeah, a lot of boxing uh, MMA fans are like that they're, uh, they're different characters, man. I'll, I can needless to say say that. There are definitely um, – very hungry for blood when they see those fights occurring.
2: Yeah. So let's move there. And then um, we talked about that shit fest uh, from England on Frank Warren's card. This is not to denigrate Frank Warren. Uh, it's just sometimes the cards don't work out. So be it. Um, let us move to Sunday morning and in, in Sunday morning in the U S where we had a Anui uh, destroy, Juan Carlos Payano on round was probably one of the prettiest one-two combinations you're going to see, not just pretty, but scary, you know, and it was just that, that lightning quick jab with that thunderbolt of a right hand. That's, that's all she wrote. I'm not sure if Payano ever ran at a punch, but I'll tell you something that was one of the more impressive performances I can remember. And it shows you right off the bat, the guy smart, he has athletics, athleticism, He's cerebral. He has power to boot. I mean, it's the whole pa- – I mean, it was just awesome.
0: Yeah, man. I, I think that performance showed me, which I already kind of knew going into this tournament, uh, I, there's no one who's going to beat him in this tournament. There's just not. I, I think he's just steps and levels above guys in his weight class right now. And it's, the, the scary part is he's young and he's only going to get better. I mean, he, I think he's just now literally 25 or is going to be turning 26. He's only going to get better, people. Uh, so if you're going to try to catch him, you got to catch him now. He's only going to get better. And um, I wish the best of luck to anyone who gets in the ring with him because they call this guy the monster for a reason. Uh, that knockout we saw here Sunday morning is proof in it that he is legitimately a scary dude for that weight class.
2: Yeah, and, and um, I got – I mean – there's a lot of enthusiasm and excitement around it. And frankly, it's fantastic. Uh, it's fantastic that we now have, through the uh, the Zone platform, the ability to see these fights. Uh, because he's going to get exposure to wider audiences than, and not even just the Zone, but the World Boxing Series. You know, normally this would be stashed away on some impossible-to-get stream that's going to you know bring all sorts of malware on your computer. It's really nice you can see these fights and put them on your TV, you know, through Roku, which I finally did. I joined the 21st Century, got a Roku, it's very exciting. Um, and I I got to tell you uh it it's just it's it's great to be a boxing fan and have a fight from Bangkok, a fight from uh from Japan, a fight from England, a fights from America all in a weekend. I mean, it, it, it's fantastic. On the undercard, uh, I do want to say Uh, Very impressive performance by, uh, in a title fight, uh, Ken Shiro uh, defeats Milan Melindo, And that was a great performance from Shiro. He's a very um, uh, skilled uh, 108-pounder. I believe it's the uh, light flyweight division. And he just, uh, he wound up stopping Milan Melindo. I believe it was in the eighth or ninth round on cuts, and uh, just put in a great performance. So I'm not going to say how much we're going to see Ken Shiro in the future but watching that, getting ready for the new fight, very impressive. Just another guy to, like, just uh, keep your mind on and, and, and remember to make a note of that in the future.
0: Yeah, man. The, the, this These, you know, with the zone and with these undercards they're putting together here for the World Boxing Super Series, it's going to expose American eyes to different fighters you've never seen or heard of or maybe just heard of but never got a chance to see. And like you said, you're not worried about watching some bootleg stream or having to, uh, you know, listen to Russian uh, commentators as you watch it on YouTube. So uh, it's such a great thing that this is here. You know, I, I got to praise them uh, for what they're bringing here to us.
2: Yeah. And let's move to, um, let's move to the zone. And uh, we had an interesting four fight card and I know it was going up against a, a very big uh, MMA uh, uh, pay-per-view that night, but um, you know, it wasn't the best date. Uh, it was Chicago. It wasn't a huge crowd, but I got to tell you, uh, three of those four fights really delivered. Uh, you had a very interesting fight between Daniel Roman and uh, and Jamie McDonald. Uh, I'm sorry, Gavin McDonald, uh, Jamie's brother. Uh, you had a um, you had a, a smash fest, which was not worthwhile uh, between Big Baby Miller and Thomas Adamek. It was kind of a, a joke fight to get him a KO. Um, you had a uh, your main fight was. Uh, a lot of being a draw between uh, Delorme and uh, better and um, uh, Jesse Vargas where both fights fighters went down. And then you also had a shootout in a title fight with uh, better BF against Callum Johnson. where also both fighters went down. So this leads me to believe when was the last time you remembered a card that had multiple fights with both fighters down? Because I was trying to screen uh, maybe I'll put that out on Twitter or, or uh, um, I, I was trying to think of that. The last time on television that both fights had both fighters, uh, multiple fights had multiple fighters down. Uh, it was a good card. It really delivered. Which
0: where do you want to start first? I, I mean, we'll start with this. You know, the presentation was good. Uh, I thought that was yeah. actually well put together. Production team uh, on point. I was impressed by that. Uh, the fights in itself. You know, you know, for this being their first. Uh, American broadcast card for, you know, DAZN U.S. I uh, know it was not star-studded. Yes, it did have a lot of competition in combat media sports world, but the fights delivered to where now you're getting that buzz after the fact that people are still talk, talking about it. People can still sign up for DAZN and, and stream those fights. They can watch those fights again because they were literally right up as the card ended. Uh, as soon as the card ended, boom, they're on the library for you to view. So I'm really impressed by what they do from that aspect. Uh, as far as the fights go, uh, better be if I was very impressed by him. I think he can now, he has the opportunity to kind of solidify and separate himself uh, from the other fighters in the light heavyweight division. Uh, obviously, I think he's got to get a unification bout with somebody uh, here sooner than later. I was impressed by him. I was also impressed uh, by da- uh, Daniel Lamond, Uh another one of these young guys that I think a lot of people are too familiar with. But I think with this platform of being on the zone, people are going to get more familiar with him. Very legit fighter. Uh, holds that bell in the Ben away division. So I think he's good, but the main event in itself was not I Delarme Vargas. I didn't have a lot of expectations going into to begin with, uh, but it ended up being a little bit better than what I thought. Uh, um, I'm not mad at the draw, but it, it, you know, you got kind of two B level fighters fighting each other in a fight that really, I don't know what the fight was for. Uh, some were saying it was a title eliminator and Steven Espinosa quickly went on Twitter and said, Nope, that is not the case relax so um you know overall i will give them a, an 8 out of 10 in regards to overall for entertainment production everything i thought the zone actually did a really good job first time around
2: interesting um i gotta disagree with you with one i not disagree with you uh, i was less than impressed with better BF. um I got to tell you something. There's a couple of people that I know that pointed me out to him when he was a 4 O fighter, saying that this guy's the future of the light heavyweight division. He's a killer. He's all these things, blah, blah, blah. Uh, there's no denying his power. Uh, I've now seen him down on the canvas twice once from Jeff Page uh, a few years ago, and once now from Colin Johnson. Uh, it's all nice that you can hit, and it's all nice that you have power, but if you can't take a punch, and if you leave yourself as open as he was, uh, I got a question how good he actually can be with some of the killers at 175. And not just killers, really talented p- boxers like Dimitri Bivol and Aliter Alvarez and, and Badu Jack and all these like good, tough fucking fighters. I, I got to tell you something. I, I, he got a good win, but something about it just gave me a little bit of a pause.
0: I can see that. I mean, maybe that's why the same fact of why I kind of liking this is kind of that uh, that sense of danger. Like, yo, he could he could get cracked, or he can crack. So I mean, it's a, it's kind of a fifty fifty thing. But I can definitely see your perspective on that. He, you know, at times he does look lackluster. Sometimes look a little lethargic. Uh, but I'll also chop that up to some of it being his inactivity. And yeah. I hope going forward now that he can stay more active. And if he's more active, maybe he'll look a lot more sharper in these fights. Uh, as we go forward throughout his career.
2: Um, Very uh, game effort by Callum Johnson. I I don't think not much was expected from him. And, uh, you know, it's a shame, you know, he had that opportunity to to take Peter Biv out and he knocked him down and he didn't go after him. And, you know, I was talking about it as it was going on on Twitter and it's just like, you know, you're not getting that opportunity. You know, it's a shame. Uh, A a person you brought up that I was very impressed with was Daniel Roman. Uh, this is a 122 mm-hmm. pound champion. Uh, not much. He's from uh, Southern California. Uh, fighter had a couple losses early in his career and was kind of given up for dead. And and Thompson Boxing actually re-signed him after they let him go, and uh, now has brought him in a co-promotional agreement to uh, to the Zone. I got to tell you something. Uh, if you were to rate any one of his punches, you'd say nothing special. But the more you watch this guy, you're like. He knows exactly what he wants to do in the ring. He's rugged. He's tough. He's willing to trade. Uh, You've got to be on your best to beat him. He's a good, like, no BS fighter, isn't
0: he? Oh yeah, Exactly. I mean, he's going to bring it. I mean, he's not going to be a pushover for anyone, and I think he's going to be a live dog against anyone he faces that, you know, people are saying that are better than him in the division. I think he's a live dog against any of them because it's just that. He's got that. He's got a fighter spirit about him, and that's what I really like. Uh, and he's willing to travel and go on the road to do that. I mean, he's went over to Japan and fought and won his title. So, I mean, this this guy, he, he's the truth. I, I think he's got a real bright future still ahead of him. Uh, you know, slow go early on. But, you know, the guys, he's picked it up, and he's remained focused, and he's just beating the people they put in front of him now.
2: Yeah, uh, and, and, and I hope that uh, the good thing about the 122-pound division is there's not many big names. And why that's good is – I think there could be a scenario where he could get some of these other guys um, into the ring with him, whether or not he goes on to fight uh, Dog Bay at 122, whether or not he fights Ray Vargas at 122. The money's not so big. Where I I think there could be an opportunity where you could see an intriguing unification fight there. Uh, I I like all three of those fighters, Ray Vargas, Dog Bay, and Roman. And uh, I wouldn't mind seeing any of those fights. You know, it's, it's not a glamour division at this point, but it, uh, it's certainly interesting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's got a lot of young talent in it. And that's what boxing needs. We need young talent. And obviously, as these guys grow in the division, maybe somebody cleans it out, they'll move up. But right now, it's a lot of good, young, talented fighters there that can make some interesting matchups. And let's hope egos in the business of boxing don't get in the way of those fights happening.
2: Yeah, uh... My thought on the main event is I had Vargas shading it by two points, but, you know, God, is he a frustrating fighter. You see, first of all, I thought the was very good. I thought this was a great version of him. He fought very determined. Uh, uh, he really tried to win. He didn't uh, – sometimes you kind of see him collapse a little bit, and uh, I, think, I think what's going on with him and, and, uh, and Joel Diaz, I think Joel Diaz has kind of lit a fire into his butt uh, and I think that's really good, and uh, uh, so so I, I like that. Um, I, I gotta say, from Vargas's perspective, he scores the knockdown earlier in the fight. Uh, I thought the left hook was there for him all night. It's a temperament issue with him. He just doesn't have that killer instinct, does he? That's why all of his fights are
1: draws, majority
2: exactly. decisions, split decisions, one fifteen, one thirteen. The guy's talented but he, it's, a, it's a mentality issue, it's a temperament issue, and you know what, like, it's an internal, you know, motivation. You know, he doesn't have that, I thought he let the fight slip away against Broner earlier in the year. Uh, this is a guy who can compete with the best in 147, but it's not a guy who has whatever it, t- whatever it is to get him to that next level.
1: It's
0: almost like he's scared to step on the gas when he really needs to, uh, we saw that, you know, maybe the the biggest fight that I can point to when he didn't really step on the gas is uh, his loss to Timothy Bradley. You know, he could have stepped on the gas a lot sooner than what he did. And, you know, he ended up putting it all in the 12th round, almost scoring a knockdown. But where was that at the other 11 rounds? I mean, he's, he sometimes pauses. Um, he kind of gets a little bit too... Um, complacent, and I think that kind of happened within the DeLorme fight here this past week, and I think he got complacent uh, with the early knockdown and just never really kind of pressed the issue going forward the rest of the fight. That let DeLorme close the gap and was able to get the draw. Yeah. Um, did you score the fight, or... or, or... You know, how you I didn't. score I didn't really score the fight, but when the scorecards were read, I, I had no beef with the draw. I honestly thought Vargas probably could have won by a point or two, um, kind of with you. I think it, you know, maxed two points, uh, but I had no beef with the draw just because I didn't think he really, he didn't, he didn't step it up, you know, back half the fight. I think he could have done a lot more uh, to, to kind of separate himself and extend that lead, and he just didn't do it. Uh, i
2: got to ask you one thing, because I think you made a really good point. Um... You said that the show looked good, right? The production values were good, mm-hmm. right? We, we saw this. It seemed like a, a professional uh, event, right? This, this, this looked like a, a good atmosphere. Why were they able to get it right in one year and ESPN hasn't been able to get it right in 25 years? Why would I watch ESPN? Does it still feel like a public access channel watching boxing? Like, it doesn't seem like so hard, right? Like, why, why is it so fucking hard for these networks to like, get decent sound? and actually, like, have cameras that make it look professional, like do all other sports. Like, I don't understand why Zone was able to figure this out, and ESPN still has yet to.
0: You know, I'm not going to bash anyone in regards to sound, given the fact that what we had happened tonight. Fair but enough. Fair, point. There. Fair <laughs> point. Fair Here point. There. But, but I, I get your point. I mean, a lot of – one thing that really makes me kind of scratch my head in regards to ESPN is you, you got to look at the even the bigger picture of that, Adam. How many live sporting events do they put on – throughout a week, not just saying a year, a week, to where they should have this kind of stuff down pat. If you look at the product they put out with the NFL, one of the NFL games on Monday night, the NBA games, college football, college basketball, college baseball, whatever other sports they do, you don't really see these kind of issues like you see with them with boxing. And it's not like this is just their first time doing it now with top rank. Uh, they've been doing boxing for years on there. And it, it just, it, I don't get it. I don't know if it's maybe the wrong people they have running it. I don't know, but it it makes me question sometimes what the hell's going on with their production because you know they have the money. Uh, You know they should have the wherewithal to do it because they do it with all the other sports they air live there on ESPN and all the ESPN platforms. So It it, it definitely puzzles and makes me scratch my head a little bit in regards to that because uh, the zone nailed it. I mean, it was a slam dunk right right off the bat. It was no problem. And this, you know, with ESPN, sometimes it's uh, it's hit or miss. It's real hit or miss.
2: Yeah, and it's like ESPN spending billions on other sports. Like they're flush with cash. Why can't they just invest? A- anyway, aside rant. It's fun. Um, <laughs> all right. So I thought it was a very entertaining card in general. If there wasn't a, a great headliner, as a as a as a follower of the sport, as someone who's a fan, I felt like. Nice show, you know, good first job. Unfortunately for them, it looks like their second show is is, is going to be a far uh, less of a, of a big deal now that Saunders is out, but you know what? That's the breaks. That's the sport. Uh, they are going to have a title fight uh, on the undercard with Tevin farmer as well. So they have a couple of shows. I think they're going to announce uh, in the next week or two. So anyway, a good start for them. Uh, Brandon, I wanted to make sure uh, before you know the time has come to for the show to officially end and not unofficially end um that you've got a nice mma rant out because uh as all we've all seen chaos ensued after khabib wins he's jumping out into the the stands people are jumping into the ring to sucker punch mcgregor chaos bedlam dogs and cats living peacefully together you know uh, take it away
0: Alright now let me first Kind of set the stage for this you know Dana White Was very vague in regards To his comments uh, In regards to what they're going to do with, with off. But what I want to do Is I want to take our listeners back to something back In May of 2010 at UFC 113 now The UFC's had something crazy to, Like this happen before um, And this happened back in 2010 Where Paul Daly after his fight uh, With a fighter named Josh Koscheck uh, he sucker punched him. He sucker punched him because he lost and pretty much got dry humped for three rounds. He was frustrated, so he sucker punched his opponent. Now I want to listen I want you guys to listen to the energy Dana White had for Paul Daly after uh, Paul Daly sucker punched this guy after the fight. If he's the best
3: 170 pounder in the world, he'll never come back here again. We're talking Paul Daly. Yeah. You're cutting him from the yeah. He'll never come back. I'm, I'm probably the most lenient guy in sports, and this is probably one of the most lenient organizations. And I, uh, you know, we're all human, we all make mistakes, things happen. There's no, there's no excuse for that. We're these guys are professional athletes. You don't ever hit a guy blatantly after the bell like that, whether you're frustrated or not. And, and it was probably one of the dumbest things I've ever seen because he is a talented guy and he is one of the best 170 pounders in the world. And I was actually impressed with his takedown defense because you know there was a wrestling in England. He's obviously been working on his wrestling game, and it was just, he's beat all the top guys at 170 pounds. Comes in and faces Koscheck, who's, who's a good fighter, and hung in there. You know the stuff like the eye gouging, the hit after the bell all that stuff, that will not ever be tolerated, and, and he's done. I don't, I don't care if he fights in every show all over the world and becomes the best, and everybody thinks he's the pound-for-pound pound best in the world, he will never fight in the UFC ever again. Done.
0: So, so that was Dan White here back in May of 2010. You know, he flat-out said a fighter is done. And with that being stated, Paul Daly has never set foot back in the UFC ring. And that was May 2010 Now check Dana's energy here For, uh, for Nabeeb who actually Flew out of the cage uh, Damn near incited a riot in Las Vegas uh, Tried to attack a corner man Then he had some of his friends and fellow UFC fighters Jump in the ring and start attacking Conor McGregor Listen to Dana White's energy in regards to Nabeeb
3: um, is, is it 100% certain That Khabib will not be stripped Of the title after what happened tonight? No Not 100%. Habib, the the thing is, we're regulated by the Nevada State Athletic Commission or whatever state we're in, right? The Nevada State Athletic Commission is going to go after him, I'm sure, pretty hard. You know, he doesn't have to worry about me right now. He has to worry about Nevada. The governor was here tonight. The governor went running out of the building. That's not good. governor running out of the building isn't good. He's in trouble. What do you make of Tony Ferguson? Um, Is is it 100% certain that Khabib will not be stripped of the title after what happened
0: tonight?
2: The thing's still running.
3: There you
1: go. Okay, there we go.
0: I got it. Okay. So there's Dana White's energy there. So here's my thing, Dana. You have a fighter who wants to sucker punch one fighter, and you're going to say, all right, he's never going to fight again. But a guy that you think you can actually make money off of, you're now going to say, you know what? It's not up to me. It's up to the Nevada State Athletic Commission. Dave, I need you to have that same energy you had for uh, Paul Daly here years ago. I need you to have that same energy right now for Naveed Nagata-Madoff because it's only fair. You can't play both sides of it. Yes, I know that you're going to have more than a, a very lucrative rematch with Conor McGregor and Nabeed, uh when you guys get this fight settled again. I understand that, but you can't have a fighter literally jump out of a cage, run along the banner of the cage, and then jump into the opposing team's corner uh, and try to attack and physically fist fight him. Oh, and not to mention he said that he had already planned to do that anyway. So this was all premeditated. So, Dana, I need you to have that same energy you had eight years ago for Paul Daly right now for to beating of Madoff. Whether he's your champion or not, right is right, wrong is wrong. Don't leave it in the Nevada State Athletic Commission's hands and say, well, we're regulated by them, and they have to do what they have to do first before I can do anything, and I'm not what he should be worried about. He should be worried about the commission. Again, Dana White, that feels like a cop-out to me. That feels like you don't have that same energy because you know there's more money to be made off of the B than it was off to be made off of Paul Daly. So, so Dana, I I need you to kind of retract that and just bring that energy back uh, and be uh, an asshole as you usually are to every other fighter to the B since he decides, hey, I went inside a riot in Vegas because I don't like how someone talked about my family and my religion. Uh, It's bullshit. It's uncalled for. It's very disappointing to put a black eye on the sport here Saturday night.
2: Well, it sounds to me like somebody was pulling his punches brandon he's a yeah. boxing metaphor. Dana was pulling his punches <laughs> he's, he's, he's a big, tough guy, but you know somebody can make a lot of money. the rule well, you know, so be it. he's a businessman. Um, well, thank you for that. Um, what else do you want to talk about while uh, we are here? Are there any uh, final parting? Uh, uh, thoughts coming up in the boxing world. Anything you'd like to touch on?
0: Um, you know, this weird rumor that's coming out of the Philippines that Manny Pacquiao has possibly signed with, with Al Heyman. Uh, it's a fight scheduled for, the, uh, for January against Adrian Broner. Uh, that fight may air on the zone. I, I, I'm... I, I'm just confused. Now, I read this Sunday after all that happened Saturday night with the UFC. I was, I was already in the confused mind state after watching that and then reading that about Manny Packer and Adrian Broner. I don't know what to make of anything anymore. I, I, I'm really starting to wonder if we're all going to hell. Right, if Armageddon is like right around the corner. And, and you know what the weirdest part is about that? I actually like Adrian Broner in that fight. I know I'm crazy. Yes, I'm sober when I say that. But I think if any, this is kind of a winnable fight for Broner at this point of his career. I don't know. Could be ass wrong. But, you know, I like chaos, Adam. You know, this is all, if all this is planned, if, you know, Pacquiao having this warm-up fight against Adrian Broner and then part two with Floyd Mayweather, what if Broner was able to pick off that win and get that W against Pacquiao? Does that now make Broner versus Mayweather? It just, it, all of this stuff makes my head almost explode. Trying to think of all the weird scenarios in my head, and the most important part about this is, if Manny Pacquiao is going to fight in Broner, going to be in Las Vegas. Uh, what kind of deal has Pacquiao worked out with the IRS? Are they waiting at you know waiting at the airport when he lands in LAX? I'm right. uh, talking about where's our money, bro. Uh, it, it, it's just I, mind-boggling.
2: You know, if we're talking about like that's a, I mean that's not exactly garbage fight because they're both kind of. On you know still on a world level to a degree, um, I still I feel similarly about like Amir Khan against Broner. I just love that fight so much. It's like you know that's going to be one way or another. That's that's going to be an amazing promotion and it should be a good fight in the ring. Uh, like I like I love that fight because both of these guys are vulnerable and beatable, and I think they should play into each other's hands real well because Amir Khan comes forward and. Broner loves guys like that because he can just sit back and counter and you know throw 10 shots around and hopefully some of them are big and hurt him and uh, I, I like I, I hear what you're saying like I will watch any of those fights to be honest with you any of those fights that you mentioned I'm
0: fine with it. yeah it's it's I, 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 I'm just confused by all of that and you know it's I don't in the zone may be a part of this you got Javante Davis doing uh, Twitter hashtags free Davis or free I think it's free tank. Uh, he wants out of his deal with Mayweather Promotions. Like, yeah, let me know how that works out for you, Tank. Uh, maybe this is partly karma on Tank's aspect because, you know, he hasn't been the greatest of all human beings, but I, they, they do seem like they're really wasting this guy's career away. I don't know why they're doing it, but, again, it's it's one of those things kind of makes my head scratch a little bit as well.
2: Um I got to tell you something. So, like, I know we gave Eddie Hearn a little bit of praise, you know, for the Zone show. So let's take some of that away because that'd be unfair just leave it out there dangling. Uh, are you comfortable with Eddie Hearn announcing a show that has uh, Brandon Rios and Gabriel Rosado as part of uh, the larger attractions of a card? Uh,
0: you, know, you must not have seen my tweet then earlier. I'll put
2: it this way. I have no problem like with Gabe Rosado still fighting. Like if Brandon Rios like, yeah, fine. Okay, fine. Like I I prefer that they didn't. So be they're not what they were, but I think this kind of speaks to uh, some rough sledding as the Eddie Hearn has debuted as the zone. I mean, doesn't this really talk about his inability to get premium content to fill up 16 cards a year I mean, isn't that really an indictment of uh, his his success? And go to the, and go to Animal House for a little bit. And isn't that really an indictment of society? No I'm kidding, but um, uh, uh, but seriously though, really, you know, you got a billion dollars. and You're gonna give me Brandon Rios and Gabe Rosado in separate fights. A billion dollars.
0: I mean, it's one of those things to where I can kind of see them maybe doing a, a doing they're doing stuff of tab it backwards. You know, for instance, this past card, this past weekend, you know, maybe take the better BF fight off of there and make that be its own headlining fight or do something because you, you're kind of stacking the cards and multiple title fights on one, you know, on these cards. And then you have other cards, like you said, you know, the, the rumor is Gabriel Zado versus Luis Ares and Brandon Rios also being on that card as well. I mean, that's not really, that's a, a Friday night fight caliber kind of card. Um, I mean, that's a, that's a, you know, boxing out of of card.
2: It's okay for that. Right. But we're talking about a billion dollars, the glamour, you know, the glitz, uh, we're already, we're already going to this level.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's going to have to do a better job of spreading those cards out and spreading some of these fighters out regards to these title fights and, and, and not stacking them all up and having, you know, these big title fights, you know, two and three of them on one card. Um, I, I I get it. You know, maybe this is just something he's trying to play with and see how the ratings go with multiple title fights. And then he's just kind of going to throw junk fights. But we got this with PBC, you know, therefore stretch when they first started out, we had a, a good fight here and there, and then junk cards and a, a lot of junk cards. And then they finally figured out, Oh yeah, we kind of need to put out a better product. So yeah, we may see this with them in kind of some glowing pains. I'm going to give him a little bit of leeway because we've seen this with PBC and then we see them kind of, reined it in and, and done a much better job. I, I'd say we can say over the last year and a half they've done a much better job matchmaking wise and getting these cards together. So I'll give them a slight benefit of the doubt and, and if it's something that becomes consistent a year from now that this is what we're still getting, then I think he's gonna have a major problem on his hand.
2: Okay. Good stuff. Such such compassion.
0: I know, I know. I mean, you know, I, I try. I, I try to love my fellow man as as much as I can here in this cruel cool society we live in right now, so um,
1: <laughs>
0: I try my best.
2: Good stuff. So uh, that's about all I have. There, I, I just, let me just promote real fast. Uh, uh, I have a piece on the H, um, on my website tarrantboxing.com about uh, my reflections on HBO and what it meant to me and and, I, I, and the decline. I talk about meeting Ross Greenberg in 2005, who was then the HBO president. Uh, HBO sports president at that time I had already sensed that HBO boxing was slipping and it was kind of this like long, you know, slow death spiral. Uh, but I do talk about how important it was to me uh, in terms of my love for boxing. So that's up on my site. Uh, you can follow me at, uh, at SN Boxing on Twitter. And we have a fun Facebook group, SN Boxing as well. Uh, S is Sam, That is a Nancy. And, and as always, Brandon, I really appreciate you having me.
0: Hey, man, I appreciate you as always. I appreciate you hanging there through our technical difficulties. And, again, apologies to Lou DeBella but Lou DeBella brought the heat during his time here. Mm-hmm. He was in the kitchen getting his snacks together or something. So
1: shout out to Lou for taking us out
0: for us uh, to do the show, man. We, we appreciate that, Lou. We, we uh, definitely apologize about the technical difficulties. Uh, next week, again, I have schedule planned on the show, Maurice Hooker. Um, he's going to get a big fight here in November on ESPN. Uh, He's going to be defending his championship, so definitely want to talk to him about that as well. We'll recap. um, We'll see if we're correct on how many rounds Crawford Benavidez goes. You say eight, I say six. Correct? Yep. Okay. We'll see if we're right about that as we recap that on next week's show as well. Uh, Make sure you follow me on Twitter at BrandonP2TF. Also, PunchTheFace.com doesn't have much of anything on there besides old episodes of the show, which you're more than welcome to do there and as well as you can subscribe to the shows on iTunes Podcast, Stitcher Radio, and as well as Blog Talk Radio, who I'm going to have to have a very uh, interesting conversation with here once the show is over. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, with that being stated, I'll be back here next week. Uh, and, again, as always, thank you, Adam, for being a part of the show, and thank everyone for listening in. Uh, until next week, I want everyone to stay safe, stay blessed, love one another. That's the only way we're going to get through this. I'm Brandon Stubbs. Until next time, I am out. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, Price and Coverage Match Limited by State Law.
3: You've been there, right? You put on that jacket you haven't worn in like six months, reach into the pocket and find a McCafe brewed coffee. Well, not really, but there is a crumpled old dollar in there. And on McDonald's, $123 menu, that's the price of any size McCafe brewed coffee or a savory sausage biscuit. Oh, and check the other pocket, too. Could be a tasty sausage McMuffin in there. Find more $1 breakfast favorites on the $123 menu at McDonald's. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Tax extra.